What's up, world? You are now listening to another episode of Let's Talk About Lovecraft Country, episode four, A History of Violence. As always, I'm your host, Triple D, and I have a guest with me today, a very, very special guest, one of my friends from way back when, uh, in the before times, uh, before this Rona, before uh, where I'm at in life now, I had made a really great friend working at this museum that uh, who knows on a regular episode, you might hear me talk about their current trials and tribulations. And by their current trials and tribulations, I'm talking about the museum. I have a very good friend with me, like I said, Miss Danielle Robinson. Ms. Robinson, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jerome. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, thank you for being a, a, a co-host on the show. I look, I'm really looking forward to this. How are things with you? Things are going well. You know, we're all living in this Rona world. Can't tell if it's post or if it's about to, like, come back hard. But, you know, trying to still be outside safely as possible since we all were in the house for how many months? Good. Yeah. Lord. Ugh. It's a new world. And I don't know if I'm ready for it. Um, parts of the new world I enjoy. I love the distance. I've always been a fan <laughs> of my- <laughs> I like that I can simply drive to the grocery store, pick my stuff up in the little uh, curbside, and leave. That I is that. favorite things. I definitely feel that. Um, I'm. I think the the main thing I've missed the most, uh, weirdly, has has been the gym. But like I've seen more and more people are starting to kind of get back in there and. I- Going back in mid-July, because okay. I think they've been since like June sometime, and I was like, let me give it some time. Yeah. I enjoy that my gym, when I go in there, but I've been going in the mornings like about 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. there is basically no one in there. Like I can count the people. So that makes me feel better that like it's not crowded. I hear that. Like I remember the goals around here said that they were going to start opening up in about July. And I told I told myself, like, all right, um, no, no, June, just like you said. And I told myself I ain't going back till July um, just because I was I was scared. And even still, it was just like, I don't know, man. And I didn't go at all in August. And here we are in September. And I've been eyeballing it because as much as these, you know, these prison bodyweight workouts have kind of gotten me through some of it. It's just like. Sometimes you miss the equipment, so I don't know. A weight bench in August, so that's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you definitely do miss the equipment because, like, box jumps, things like that. I don't have right. something dirty enough that I believe I can just jump on. Right, right. It's, uh, but we could we could catch up all day, and we might save that for another episode. We are here to talk about. Lovecraft Country episode four, History of Violence. Before we get into the actual episode, um, how have you been? How have you been digging this show? How have you been feeling about this show and some of the things going on? And more importantly, uh, were you familiar with this uh, content before the show came out by any chance? I was not. However, when watching, you know, HBO over the summer because I watched like Insecure and a couple other stuff. I kept seeing the commercials for it, and there are two things that got me. Just about anything that Journey Smollett is in, I'm in for. Courtney B. Vance was in there as well, so I was like, okay. Uh And Jordan Peele. So, like, 
And then I also, it's J.J. Abrams. So when yeah. you put that combination together, I was like, I'm in. And like Issa Rae said, I'm here for everyone Black. I so let's see what it's about. I'm really liking it so far. It's very layered, everything that has been happening so far. And it's uh, like discussing it with like one of my cousins. He said he's not ready to watch it yet just because like it's too reflective of what's going on in the real world. And like I was saying to him, the funny thing is like you kind of don't know what to be more scared of, the racism or the monsters. Right, right, right. Both equally terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I was the same way. I had nothing. I I had no idea about the show. Um. But I started seeing the commercials for it. Um. I I got to get back on and and catch up with Insecure. Uh. So I wasn't seeing it during those. But I just like you. I think I just randomly saw a commercial for it and I was like, this looks interesting. And then more and more, I was like, okay, just like you. I was like, okay, Jordan Peele. All right. Um. Journey Small. Okay. And J.J. Abrams, and that's how I was like, J.J. Abrams, like, oh, that's that's different. So we're going to get some special effects. Like, we're going to get some big budget special effects in this. And um, so far, it's like between Peel and Abrams, um, all the credit, all the highest credit to, to Misha Green on her writing and everything. But there, you can tell there's a few things here and there where it's just like, Jordan Peel had to be present for that. There were definitely a couple of things that, like, the moment that it happened, you were like, that is definitely all Jordan Peele, that, like, almost, like, dark humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's been a ride. And the ride, it, it's been, like, like full pedal to the metal since episode one. Um, and it's it shows no sign of letting up. I don't know if it's this was their intention or, like I said in another episode, like, I don't know if they are operating under we have to do as much as possible um because we only plan on doing one season a la watchmen or we need to do as much as possible so we can secure a second season um I'm trying to figure out that as well i listened to the hbo accompaniment podcast mm-hmm. and um, listening to them talk about this episode they were like this is one of the most lighthearted episodes that oh they my god <laughs> Oh my God, are you serious? This started off with like a family trip. Everyone's (laughs) going to a museum. This is lighthearted. So I was like, oh, if this is light, we are in for it. Yeah. And think like now processing what you just said, I could kind of see that. Um, There was a lot of craziness in this episode, but compared to the past three, this one does feel, it did feel a bit lighter in comparison um and then you're like but this isn't light at all but (laughs) especially the very last 10 seconds yes yeah which we will get to uh so uh any any thoughts overall like is there one particular thought about the series of the show that kind of lingered with you once we finished this particular episode before we get into the details uh probably just looking at it it's that everything is so layered and people only show us half of who they are we think we know someone but we definitely don't and looking at it I was like you know as much as 
kids think that they like know their parents they only know who their parents want them to see yeah i can i can totally see that uh without yeah there's there's no disputing that whatsoever especially with this show because it seems like every so far it seems like every episode the the parents especially they seem to give us something like oh wow like i I never would have guessed this about you from Mm -hmm. You know, um, just uh, we'll get into it when we get into it. Yep. Um, all right. So with that being said, let's let's dive on in. So uh, this episode kicks off with Montrose pretty much dealing with his uh, his inner demons, his guilt uh, between his brother dying in his arms, um, things left unsaid. We get some some kind of verbal, I guess, I don't want to call them flashbacks, but sort of verbal flashbacks of things that we haven't heard, but clearly were uh, impactful in his life, his father, um, just guilt in everything that's going on. How did you feel about that? I get an understanding of some of the things that like were unsaid between him and George, mm-hmm. because they were, when him reflecting and like hearing his father telling him to like get a switch, get a switch. And then George saying, I should have did more to protect you. You kind of see that like he has really never gotten over all the things that happened to him in his childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Which was played very well um, by Michael Kenneth Williams. He's going to be praised on his acting a few times in this episode as well as his series. Um, So we also get this sort of sense of guilt that uh, not only is he dealing with his past but he's also dealing with the fact that he knows more than he's been letting on and it's clearly tearing him apart. Um, And it's as if like, while George might have known some things, they're both so very well read that like he read the entire book, he understood everything in it. And he was like, tick will never see this. Yeah. Um, and we that scene concludes with him burning the uh, the bylaws from the the uh, order of the ancient dawn, um, which was like you said, he's doing this to protect his son and his family because he didn't seen some shit in there that's too heavy, like just it's just too much, which is it makes the the mystery of it all even more compelling because you're like, well, what did you see? Like we want to know. And it's it's enough to literally drive him to drink. Yeah. Yeah. And the the line at the end of that, right before the, the title card kicks in of uh, Smells Like Tulsa was just like, whoa. So not only is that a heavy, heavy line to drop, it's also like, can we get the adventures of Montrose? Because you, that means you were there. You and were there when it burned. It's also like, is that a reference to the past or is this telling us that, like, how deep are things going to get, you know? Uh, yeah yeah so we get the title card and it goes right into another perfect music flip holy crap i absolutely loved it there was it was perfect and all i kept thinking throughout this entire series so far is the music that they use like even the just i don't know the exact word for it because i'm not a musical person but like just like the swells almost like just Uh like the dynamics yeah yeah, like they play so perfectly in every scene. 
as you see Christina in her silver Bentley it is I, I think. think so uh, it's a Bentley or something like that yeah okay, and you hear bitch better have my money and she's just coming through like she owns things. <laughs> weaving in and out of traffic oh man hello yeah okay. okay I think you kind of went out for a second repeat that last part after you said uh when she's coming through just in case the fact that she is driving down the street, blasting bitch better have my money, like she owns things, which technically she does. Indeed. It could be perfect than that. Right. Uh, to the point where it was so convincing, had me thinking she was actually listening to that while she was riding through this town. It was like, <laughs> like, like clearly she's not, but like they, like you said, they, they've been so perfect with their, with their placement of music. I even rewound it the first time I watched. I was like, this is this is gold and all i could imagine was like we we've worked with a couple of uh girls who this would totally be them if they were in a car uh yeah, <laughs> riding around in their whiteness <laughs> like they own the world and all i could think is just like this is this is yeah this is a perfect depiction of um a powerful white girl yes uh and yeah, it, this would not be the last perfect music flip that we get. Uh, but she pulls up to Letty's house. And um, I think one of the funny things about uh, Christina is she's she's a bit socially awkward. And yes. I don't know if it's intentional, but like if it is, she's doing a good job of kind of playing it up. But she's also she I think the thing that intrigues me about her is she's clearly socially awkward. And but she has a level of confidence that most socially awkward people wouldn't have. Like she she gets out the car and she sees the the black and the arrow on the chalk. And she's like, hmm, that's weird. And just keeps it moving and just, you know, strolls up to the house as if she owns it. How did you feel about her uh, her interaction with Letty? I definitely agree with the fact um, that she does have that very socially awkward, but it's mainly in a place where like she realizes the person is kind of on her level. Like she would be friends with Letty if she would let her. Yeah. So she's very awkward in that situation because it's as if she almost wants to be liked, but then her interaction with some of these white men, she's just like, I know who I am mm -hmm. and you're not. Yeah. She walked up to the house and she really was walking in like she owned the place and she <laughs> couldn't and she hit the little force field and the smile on her face like oh you got her how'd you do that right and right not letty's face like it worked the blood magic actually protects it and then when she put two and two together like you knew about Hiram which meant you were the one behind this whole situation and it clicked so perfectly and she was just like shit yeah yeah, I, I the thing that that got me about that everything you said spot on. Um, it's also like the, the where the confidence kicks in because she she hits the force field and she's like, oh okay, but she's not concerned. Like nah. like she's not scared. I was like, oh all right, I'll deal with this eventually. But we we can talk we could talk as you know as <laughs> we can talk politely now. But um, yeah, this you ain't gonna keep me out this house. That's what that was the vibe that I got. Like eventually I'm gonna get up in here. But for now, we can we can be cordial. 
thinking about it, do you know what it reminds me of? Watching True Blood. Oh my and God. The fact that they had to get permission before they could come into the house. Perfect. And I'm going to make another True Blood reference later on in this episode because there's another thing that happens in the show that was just like, huh, I wonder if this is intentional or purely, uh, purely just ironic. Um, but in, in the, in the midst of that conversation, uh, as you said, she puts two and two together, um, that she was the one that, you know, got her the money and everything like that. I, I only had one slight issue with that and I'm hoping it's resolved later. It's, I would hope, but granted the character, I would hope that Letty at some point goes to Ruby and says, hey, mom didn't actually leave me money. This weird woman that I can't really give you too much detail on gave me the money. So I'm sorry for being shady with it, but don't be mad at mom because that was like that was kind of the root of their fallout was not only did she keep it a secret that she had the money, she was really under the impression that their mother gave her the money when in actuality she didn't, even though the oh. keeping the money a secret part was messed up. Right. And like a part of me thinks that like she might go and say, like, apologize, like, hey, so the money didn't actually come from mom. But here's the thing. Regardless where the money came from, she still did what she did. Yeah. So I think Letty's going to hold on to that because, okay, cool. You came into some money and the first thing you did was this one big thing without like helping us after we've helped you out for so long. Right. It hurt very much more. The fact that like mom might have left you this and you did something selfish and on your own with it. But like either way, it was more of like looking out for yourself. Right, right. Still gonna be just a little pissed. Yeah, and it's and it's totally warranted. So that scene pretty much caps off with um, first uh, Christina wanting the orrery uh, that we see in the previous episode because I had no idea what that thing was. It was a model of the solar system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she wants the orrery, and um, she also lets it drop that Tick paid her a visit earlier that morning to to kill her. Um, which I think that was, I think that was, while technically a true statement, I feel like that was also a bit Christina being a little messy. I don't think Tick had the intention, like, I don't think he ran up on her to necessarily kill her. Like, I think he wanted answers first. Um, but you know, after everything he's been through, yeah, I'm keeping a gun with me because I saw some wild stuff in your house and you pop up in my neighborhood. I'm gonna be protected. Um, how did you feel about the the way that's kind of uh, presented to Letty, which then led to the next scene of her running up in the library looking for him for answers? That was definitely be Christina being messy because she can see that there is something between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she dropped it ever so slightly in there like, oh, yeah, I saw a tick this morning. He actually tried to kill me. Knowing yeah. Like, Letty is going to feel, A, Tick saw you, he figured this out, and he didn't tell me, and also a little bit protective of him because we know what happens to Black men with mm-hmm. white women. Yeah. And you try to do that. So, yeah. like, are you crazy? Like, that sounds a bit like a death wish. 
So it's very much double-edged sword that, like, Letty is pissed at him, but she also wants to protect him. Right. Um, my only slight issue with that, um, and real quick, because there's a, there's a quick scene in between, we find out that Hippolyta has the orrery. Yep. Uh, she she slid out with it uh, last in the last episode, which I don't know how nobody noticed her sneaking out this big orrery. Who knows? Maybe in the midst of uh, the whole cross burning and the uh, uh, Letty going lemonade on those cars, maybe she just kind of slid out the side door with it. Um, but the thing that kind of tripped me out was they, I think writing wise, they kind of portrayed this in a modern sense where, you know, the last episode ends with Tick going to that office and confronting Christina. This episode picks up literally later that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to remember that in that last episode, when he confronts her, he has his stuff. So he was planning to leave then. Um, so Christina, Tech, go ahead. Planning on leaving before they had the party. Right. He was his goodbye and then when he realized like you moved into this neighborhood these people are harassing you he was like nah I can't leave you like this but I guess probably after they did everything and got the ghost out he felt that she was safe and he was in a place that he could leave once he had answers right right so my only and that's where like my only slight issue came from was like Letty busted up in there like well why didn't you tell me like you saw her and you tried to kill her. And in my mind, I'm like, well, this this just happened this morning. Like, he couldn't text you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this this time of, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, he didn't really have a way to contact you. This literally just happened a couple hours ago. Um, but we get a we get a good, but a tense, but funny scene um, in the library. Because little man just wanted to read his book. That That's all he wanted to do. Yeah. Little tick. Good. Yeah. <laughs> little tick over there. How did I you feel? Little like um, Easter eggs that they drop for us ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. We it comes back later on in the episode, but the kid was sitting reading Journey to the Center of the Earth. So like if you looked away from the screen while watching, you wouldn't have noticed that. Right, right, and I'm glad you said it because I was, it was definitely coming up. Um, so she confronts him, and we get this continuation of their awkward tension. And this is, to me, this is the only thing the show has misstepped on. And that's building their relationship. Um, it, it's, it's sort of, a, in that first episode, it's sort of like two childhood friends kind of noticing that the others kind of grown have grown up going to the next episode in the, the observatory where it's just like, you know, they're still kind of in that sense. And then it, it hops the fence when she sees the vision of uh, fake tick and then things get hot and heavy, uh, which he's not there for. He's going in terms of tick. Yeah, right. And I think the last episode, um, I'm trying to think, was there sort of an, well, yeah. Because of tree and yeah. seeing Lily dance with that other dude. So it kind of like she was already thinking it and it was more of like it really confirmed it for him that like, oh, shit, I am seeing her like this. Right. To to this episode where it's like their tension felt like their tension felt like they had been 
in a relationship and they were kind of like having bad communication issues. And that's the, that I feel like they haven't properly built a relationship where it's just like at one, one scene, they're kind of into each other. Next scene, they're like arguing as if like they, they're not into each other, um, which you kind of see in their, uh, their adventure later on. It's just like, you guys are kind of arguing like y'all aren't friends. Then y'all kiss. I feel, <laughs> I feel like it's a part of, I don't, I honestly don't remember how she even got on the first trip with him and uncle George. She kind of just like talked her way into that. And I feel like I missed that even though I watched that episode twice, um, but it's as you said, go ahead. Her, her brother lived uh-huh. along the way. Gotcha. Yeah. That's how they ended up at his house. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely like the childhood friend. So I'm sure that means that like they probably kind of poked and prodded at each other when they were kids. And now each other is realizing that like you grew up real nice. Uh huh. So everything that they went through in Artem was a lot. So as uh-huh. much as like you really see the relationship like fully develop, that was such a difficult thing that that probably was like the development of the relationship. Because when we see them arguing after the library scene, when they're now about to like go on the adventure to Boston, mm-hmm. they're arguing like an old couple. Like the when he said to her, um, when they're like pushing and pulling the bag yeah. and they go and he was like, see, I listen. Yeah. That yeah. Snappy comment <laughs> that no has been said in my house before. <laughs> Yeah, we we'll definitely get to that. Them and including Montrose, all of them just being childish. Uh, but the library scene concludes with the pretty much him coming clean that like, look, we're in over our heads. I, cause it, it and that's what kind of threw me just for a little bit, but in a good way, cause it showed that like, despite all this, Letty's Letty's down for the get down because she asked like, so why didn't you kill her? Like, if you had the gun, why didn't you kill her? He was like, hey, I tried. And that, that was just G talk right there between both of them. I was like, I don't feel remorseful. All right, I don't, whatever. But uh, I tried. Um, she's got some sort of spell on, or someone has a spell on her, but we need to find these pages uh, from the Book of Adam so that we can, we can go on the offensive if need be. And that's pretty much what sets in our, uh, our trip to, well, before we know it's Boston, but that sets in, in motion our adventure to which she says, look, you need to talk to your dad. So he's like, rightfully so. He's like, nah, I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, my dad is the worst. And uh, when he's checking through the books, um, he realizes that his dad has already been there. And he has to talk to his dad. And I think that's one of those frustrating realizations that, like, I don't need to talk to that man. He ain't no good. He's, he's not the one. And you're going through and you realize all the research that I am now doing he's done this weeks before right so i'm going to have to go to him because he clearly already has like the answers that i'm probably looking for or he has like a different perspective to the stuff that i now know right and i think it it was even more frustrating because he didn't even get like another few minutes of like finding out stuff on his own as soon as she left he put the dots together that his dad had already like been through so it was like dang i literally just told her we don't need him and the first clue i find is that we have to go talk to him 
like in that sense, I I felt for my man's. Um, yeah. So you know, he storms off, and, and we get one more shot from from Little Man, and that's when I noticed uh, the the book cover of uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, um, Little Tick, as I'm gonna call him. Um, and we we find out, like he said, not only does he one have to go talk to his dad when he goes to to hunt him down, Letty's already there. Right. And she is looking like, I told you that this is where you needed to be. And look at you, you ended up right where I said. Oh my gosh. So just like you called it, um, she she was a step ahead. And um we we get Montrose being Montrose. He his his intentions are in the right spot, but he can't seem to do anything without being an ass about it. Again, he is one uh, he is one of those just really complicated characters mm-hmm. that like you you get a glimpse of him and you're just like, okay, he's not that bad and then he does something else and you're like, and there it is. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I thought you were. <laughs> I was like, thank you for being for staying on brand. Um <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get past this, but yeah, like at this point they should just they should just sort of expect it <laughs> from him. It's just like, all right. Give me what you got, and then give me the, give me the 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 downside, because I know what's coming. Like he he just doesn't have it in him. Um, and after some poking and prodding, he's convinced that uh, well he's convinced to share with them that their next their next lead is in Boston. Um, but before we go to Boston, well before we get ready to go to Boston, um, we get what starts off as kind of a nice little scene. We get Christina. Uh, playing hide and go seek with uh, with some local kids, and this was one of those things that made me think like, okay, this is what got me onto the whole socially awkward thing. We're just like, I I could see Christina being that that super spoiled privileged kid who wasn't allowed to be a kid. Yeah. Um. This yeah, despite being uh an heir to this 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 fortune and all this privilege and whatnot. And despite her her father never really treating her like an equal because she's a girl, she was still not allowed to be a child. Um, just you could just kind of tell that with um, the awkwardness um, on top of the fact that the, if you go back to that scene uh, at the observatory where she's delivering whatever that thing was from the cow. Um, yeah. Which, which was just like, what is happening here? Uh, but you see how how into it she is. And to me, it was like, OK, was this a rite of passage or something like this? And I think it was just no. Uh, she probably was that kid who spent summers at some farm or some camp and wanted to do those things, but was never allowed to. Yeah. The weird things that she wanted to do, she wasn't allowed. And like the childish things, like the childhood things that she should have done, she wasn't allowed either. Right kid called her out and she was like you don't know how to play hide and go seek and she's like what I am playing it right no <laughs> right this is my first time um like it's like okay you're 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 uh, a trust fund kid <laughs> you're a trust fund kid who is who was never allowed to go outside and uh from there uh, we get some local boys um who and normally this is I think they 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 we usually get like a weekly dosage of of thick racism 
um, every every episode. I think this particular episode, they kind of put it to the side for a dose of uh, sexism. Um, They they swapped it out. They swapped out the the prescription because we get the we get crooked sheriff from the previous episode, you know, asking her like, yo, what are you doing on our turf without telling anybody? And uh, we get the 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 power struggle back and forth of her playing it cool. It's like, all right, you got me, but you know, this is what I'm looking for. Even though she names she names that she's looking for the the orrery, but he sees right through it. Like he's like, no, you're you're here looking for those pages, and um, you need to you need to slide out because you're on our turf. Um, we also see that there's well, we hear that someone's trapped in there. Did you catch that? No. Someone so, trapped uh, in the, like, his office or whatever? Yeah. Like, you hear somebody moaning, and she goes to, like, it looks like some Venetian blinds, and she looks through them, but you don't see what she's looking through, but you hear someone moaning and asking for help. So someone's huh. being held hostage there. Probably someone black. I'm just, we're just going to go ahead and say it's someone black. Um, but how did you feel on that scene, the back and forth between her and uh, the local boys. The back and forth between them was interesting because like he knew exactly, as you said, like why she was there. And the fact that he was like, um, what did he say to her? That like, you know, you're on, um, I met, when she said to him that, um, I guess I missed your orient, what is it? And not your, your initiation. Yeah, your initiation into the thing. And she's like, yeah, and I missed yours, too, because, you know, it's a good old boys club. Right. So while you might be the heir, you're still not good enough to play with us. And that's when you definitely see her confidence comes through because, like, okay, cool. Like, I get it. I'm a woman. But, like, guess what? I have something that you won't ever. Like, I am one of these sons of Adam. Like, that bloodline ends with me, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, which I thought that was that was a cool little uh, jab on her part, like kind of kind of like we're we're also seeing amongst all this craziness, we're also kind of seeing what I think is going to be her eventual rise to power. We're just like, okay, you guys wanted to be down with the team, and you're not, you know. Now, although I may not be in the team, <clears throat> I actually have family connections to it, so. I'm, right. I'm further ahead than you. Say that one more time. Nepotism trumps all. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you said, I I totally agree. Like, she's letting them know with her, you know, confidently. Just like you said, I'm still a step ahead of you. Like, you, you may be guy, you may be men, but like, this ain't going to play out the way you think it is just because you're men. Like, I'm clearly a step ahead of you. Um. So then we get the 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 preparation for Boston where we get just like you said earlier this this weird old couple uh back and forth between them and we get the the childishness of them two and mantras coming in like hey, hey I I had nothing to do with this and clearly he did uh we get the we get the uh the news that uh, Hippolyta and D are also going to be joining them on this road trip yeah it's one of those that like mantras he he may or may not, but at the same time, like, she just lost her husband. Mm-hmm. This is normally one of, would be his trips, and now she has to kind of take over the business. So, like, you're driving my car? Where are we going? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which was a, a nice scene because she's sitting at the edge of the car just looking like, I know y'all talking. You know what I'm saying? Like, are y'all going to tell me or are y'all going to, are we going to get in this car and just get to it? Because she already did say to him, like, I know that there's more than y'all are really telling me. Right. I want my car to go to Boston. What's in Boston? Okay. We all going to Boston then. Right. And it's, it's totally warranted, but at the same time, us knowing what they know, you can't fully blame them for, for not wanting her involved because they witnessed some wild stuff and I, I would want to keep them from it too. So it's like, it, it sucks, but it's kind of their only option to keep them safe. The running theme of the episode is I want to protect you, but like, we're already all in this together. So like, yeah. If I don't show you, if I show you, either way, you're going to get hit. So, like, you might as well see it coming. Mm, indeed. And uh, before they can even pull out the driveway, this nigga tree. The He's worst. So every time I see him. Yeah. Uh, I, at some point, I got to look up this brother's name because he's doing a phenomenal job at this role. Because every time I see his face, I just uh, ugh. Since the first episode, when he when he tries to play him in the bar, like you still little old tick, that you could tell everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was the kid who like more or less bullied him when they were younger, and he's like, "Bro, I am the same size as you now. Like, I'm trained." Right. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You you can keep with the slick stuff if you want, but uh, keep keep playing me, and I'm I'm hoping it's coming. I hope it's coming." But uh, yeah, in true Negro fashion, and when I mean Negro, I don't mean the, the regular term. I'm talking about us calling each other Negro. This fool going to bum a ride on the spot. I got a Philly in Philly. Was hoping I could save on the on the bus fare. Here's what blew me with that. Geography is not my greatest subject. But we already had to drive through Philly to get to Massachusetts. Why are you still with us? I didn't even pick up on that. Oh my God. And and you know what? And I'll explain how this came about later. I definitely pulled up some geography for this episode on my rewatch. I didn't even pick up on that. They sure did. He had no business being there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Granted, they're coming from Illinois. So like they're going over. But like if you wanted to ride to Philly, we could have dropped you off somewhere. Right. Who's still here? I did not pick up on that at all. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but Hippolyta being the, the kind heart that she is, on the spot, and this, you could tell this is these are black people of a different era. Because I don't know nobody in this day and age that uh, as I'm pulling out the driveway, you can just pull up with a bag and be like, hey, let me ride with y'all. Nope. You got space? Sure don't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just, just randomly, and and it's gonna come up later. But uh, Jonathan Majors, his his facial reactions to just everything, <laughs> they and are hilarious to me. And I, I'm pretty sure most of them are are not meant to be funny. But like, there's a few that pop up in this episode, as well as others. Is just like they're gold. They're gold. He's definitely one of those people that like. 
you don't need to speak words. I can read everything you're saying. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so from there, we get uh, Ruby um, going into a store. Um, I keep forgetting the name of the store because I know it's a running a running theme. Uh, Not kinda, Martin, something like that? It might be. Um, Neiman Martins? Martins? Yeah, Neiman Martins? Or like Marshalls. Just, point is, it's just a big box store. Right. And um, it seems like she's um, attending... Well, she's attempting to, you know, possibly scout it so she can maybe see who she needs to talk to about applying for a job where she sees, uh, well, she's actually a, well, no, she sees her first. She sees a black woman already working there and then gets approached by said black woman and finds out that not only has she been hired, um, this woman applied on a whim and got the job where I believe it's stated in another episode that she's been applying, Ruby's been applying to this store. Multiple and, times has not gotten in. Yeah. What did you think about that? What do you what what was what do you think the reasoning of her not being hired was? So I feel like there's lots of different things that could have contributed to that. The fact that that other person said that they applied on a whim and got in made me wonder if Christina had a hand in this. Mm, I didn't think about that. Then it's also like, I love the fact that the show used another dark skinned woman mm-hmm. as a skinned woman. Because if they had used, like, if it was, if it was um, Letty over Ruby, mm-hmm. then we all would have been like, well, of course Letty got the position because we know colorism is definitely still a thing. Mm-hmm. But the fact they use someone who was a similar shade you're like okay so it's not that then it makes you wonder like is it that ruby is a bigger girl that's what i was thinking who was more like what they what their customers would see in themselves besides color in -hmm. terms of size and then it's also one of those things that it's it's frustrating because like it's it's kind of like this is how black people kind of pit themselves against each other. Mm-hmm. Because while we're all rooting for each other, we also know that like there's only but so much space and so many quotas to fill. So as she said, there are 103 employees here and they're not going to let two Negroes work here at the same time. Right. So the fact that that other woman is in, that's it. Like, she's not going to get in now, and she's been trying for months. Yeah, um, I, I was on the same page. Like, I didn't consider some of those things until you said it, uh, but I definitely picked up on, like, maybe it was the size, which mm-hmm. for the time, sadly today, um, it wouldn't have shocked me, and it's super messed up. Um, but that's where my brain went to. But now that, like, we're we're saying it out loud and you mentioned the Christina thing, the fact that this happens and she gets a visit from William, I'm wondering maybe she, maybe, maybe this was a plan on their part um, so that they could, they could have a a thumb on her um, once he got in. Yeah. Like I didn't even consider that. Um, But nevertheless, everything you said, totally accurate. Just like she mentions later on, 
it's it's a rat race um, because only so many black people, and especially during this particular time, were allowed to succeed at once. And so it makes perfect sense that when she saw this other black woman in there, it's like, well, there goes my shot because, like you said, then they're not going to have two. And definitely not too dark skin. It would have been even more messed up if, like you said, Letty randomly ended up working there when she knew that uh, Ruby wanted to be there. Um, so slap in the face. Right. Uh, so from there, we we go to the museum in Boston. Um, we we get a quick shot of uh, Montrose seeing his uh, his inside man, who is gonna kind of work on getting them in there. Uh, we get uh, D and Hippolyta. Uh, pretty much setting their day in motion of wanting to go check out things. And y'all got three hours. We'll we'll catch up to you, which I like museums. But if someone tells me I'll see you in three hours, whew, I, I don't know if I could be able to do it. Three hours. Uh, I could definitely do it, depending on the museum. I've, I've spent some time in some different ones. Okay. I, I might be able to give you two. But I don't know. Three just sounds almost like now I feel like I have to go learn something after <laughs> after that third hour. Like I feel like I need to go prepare for a book report. Uh, but you know they're they're starting to set their plan in motion of pretty much casing the place to see uh, what the deal is. And uh, this nigga tree um, pops up talking about some dinosaurs, which no nobody care about. And um, he tries to put his bid in with Letty. And gives the his prolific backstory on why he's supposed he's allegedly called Tree. Which once you get the reasoning, it's like no, you you totally gave yourself that nickname, and your idiot friends ran with it. Uh, but we get the we get the the shutdown of all shutdowns of uh. Well, would you like to would you like to go ahead and and uh, set up the shutdown that uh <laughs> that Letty comes with? I thoroughly enjoyed that the fact that she called him by his government name after he gave his little explanation of what oh my the, god what was, what she was well shouldn't i know that since we slept together seymour oh man seymour oh man and again shout out to the actor because i wish they would have lingered on his face like another three or five <laughs> three or four more seconds because he gives that that oh oh you got me. Look, like I just wish they would have lingered on it a little longer because it was hilarious. Um, but I think that's another one of those things we love about Letty is that there is no holding back with Letty <laughs> at all. There's no filter. And she if she got something to say, you are going to get it. And it's untapped, unfiltered, unwatered down glory. Letty gives you realness all the time. And it's well-deserved, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, ironically, and I, I got to take a quick, like, slight fourth wall break. As this scene is playing out, and as I was preparing for this episode, um, the shirt that she's wearing in this scene is actually the shirt that Lynn Whitfield wears in Eve's Bayou. Yeah. Amazing amazing like this is one of the few shows i actually kind of want to go back and watch all the youtube easter egg videos that come that come from it because it's stuff that i million years i i would have i would have missed it would went right over my head 
I'm in a Facebook group. So I've seen all of the different, like different theories on things. And I was just like, oh, I definitely missed that. Okay. I see where y'all are going with this. So yeah, I saw that apparently even um, Journey took the time to uh, message, well, not message, but like uh, mentioned Lynn Whitfield on Twitter and was like, you see this shirt, right? You're welcome. This is a tribute. You gotta love, you gotta love details like that. You gotta love it. Um, So in the midst of them kind of still casing the joint, we get uh, Hippolyta and Dee sharing a really nice moment in the... um, the star room. I don't know what the exact name of it was, uh, but we get Hippolyta uh, pretty much disclosing the, to D that this famous comet, um, Harris Chariot, was actually named by her. And shocker, uh, a little black girl was not going to be given the honor of the credit of naming this chariot. Uh, well, excuse me, of naming this comet. Um, how did you feel about that scene? So watching it just even the second time, I was even saying to my husband, like, these are the type of things that have carried on for so long that when she said that I named it, but, you know, a little black girl wouldn't be the face of it. So they gave it to this little girl. And she's like, but but at least I know. There's so many things that, like, black people have done. And are doing did them and they just kind of be like well hey i know that i was the greatest i know that i did that even if they don't because they're they never get the credit for it and it happens today so it's one of those things that like man we've come so far but we are still in the same place Mm. yeah and i i love that d is clearly at an early age no that don't work for me and announces announces to everybody in there that nah y'all to know my mama named star right so who knows in a in a perfect world we'd get the the spinoff of d being older and getting her own series of adventures um because you could tell like no that mm -mm, this, this doesn't work for me uh and i'm gonna say what i got to say and how i feel um and i like the fact that um in the midst of it Hippolyta doesn't, you know, she doesn't say, no, you shouldn't do that. And, you know, she doesn't try to quiet her down. You're like, nope, you be you and speak how you feel. Uh, yeah, because she probably, you know, she probably has been quieted her whole life. So, like, I know how this feels. You you got something to say? Go ahead. I'll be right here. Yep, as it should be. Uh, so while this is going on, we get uh, pretty much a quick little... And I think they were they did a really good job of the 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 dialogue on top of what we're seeing. And it's uh, pretty much this uh, tour guide speaking on how uh, Titus Braithwaite was gifted, quotation marks, uh, these artifacts for teaching the local natives about uh, the world and Christianity. It's like, no, he was a typical white explorer. Um, He pretty much ran through this undiscovered area. I'm sure he killed and would not be surprised if he raped his way through it and took what he could get his hands on and uh, brought it back to America and uh, pretty much concocted the story that they were so, you know, nice and giving to him when I'm pretty sure he left a, a trail of destruction in his path, which we will find out later. Yep. Um, so in the midst of this, we get this nigga tree. 
um, feeling salty because he's been outed as a fraud, uh, rightfully so. And um, being just that guy, like not only was I'm sure not only was he I'm positive, like you said, a bully to these guys when they were kids. He's clearly an instigator. Um, He starts dropping seeds that like takes dad has been hanging out with Sammy, the bar owner from episode one, who we are introduced to uh, being pleased by another man. And, and he's the one who sent Tick yeah. out there to see that. So right. like he had been setting this up from the jump so that he could throw that in there on t- to Tick. Yeah. Uh, Tree, just the overall worst. And I I wish, I hope at some point he gets his, you know, he gets his, his just desserts um, because it's just a messed up thing to do. And we also get like, as this scene is playing out, like I'm one, I was just wondering, I was like, okay, so we're getting, we're getting the introduction of homosexuality. Well, not, not necessarily introduction. We're getting the dialogue of homosexuality um, because he didn't really speak on it in the first episode. He's just like, Hey, that's your business. I ain't tripping off that, but we're getting ticks reaction to someone in his family possibly being homosexual so it's like all right i was watching i was like all right tick how, you, how are you gonna play this like how are you gonna handle this um because he already drops the for the time the regular dialogue or or just you know verbatim of just saying you know referring to it as being a sissy mm-hmm. um which, which is time yeah clearly derogatory um and off you know not justified but clearly a sign of the time. Um, but he also kind of drops it in a way of like, I'm not gay, but I don't really care if Sammy is. Yeah. Dropped it as I'm not a sissy, but like, that's his business. So right. like, I, it's how a lot of people deal with it. Like you do what you do. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what you do. Right. But he, he's succeeded in planting that seed of, well, is my dad because him and his dad have butted heads forever. And to, to find out amongst all the other things that his dad has been keeping from him, like, is he prepared to deal with, with this new bond, this new bombshell? Um, but the, the wild thing about it is despite the fact that that, that particular scene concludes with um, them reconvening, and being like, okay, here's the plan. We're gonna get in. We're gonna come back in a few hours. And you know, once we find the door and everything, and Tick, the last that we hear about it is Tick going, "How you know this dude? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How you know him?" And he says from the bar. And Tick right. just give him that eye. Yeah. The moment that, that tree placed that thought in his head, and then he looked over and saw his dad talking to the security guard. So he's like, "How? How does he know him?" He does hang out at the bar all the time, but it is he is an alcoholic. But like, is there another reason? Right. And also, like, it just goes back to like how we said before, all the different secrets that the family has. So now he's thinking back to like, does that have to do with anything that has happened? Right. Right. So from there, uh, we get Christina arriving at. I'm assuming a home. I don't know if it's her actual home or just some place, my property or whatever. And we get a really cool transition because we see the police officers watching her. So 
this was just a dope shot because we see her walking up the walkway and into wherever. And then like maybe two seconds later, we see William walking out and just strolls up on the car, greets the men, proceeds to lay the paws on these men. And then Iverson steps over one dude <laughs> to say, yeah, I got to go. I got a date. Quick. Anymore, but I have somewhere to be. Right. It's like I could I could easily continue this, but I got somewhere to be. Uh, it was quick. He made short work of them. So um, curious to see if we're going to get some more fisticuffs from uh, from William. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, a con. It was a good contrast because up up until this point, like our first introduction to William, it's like he's this weird guy. And then the more we get to see him, it's like William's kind of smooth, still weird, but he's kind of smooth. And now it's just like, oh. William will, will rough, he'll rough, he'll rough you up if he has to. Yeah. He's definitely very smooth, but very strange. That you're just like, okay, so there is also more to you than we see as well. Have you seen the thoughts that him and Christina are the same person? Because we never see them in a scene together. You know what's wild? I have not seen that, but that transition where she walks in and he walks out made me think that. It made me wonder that, um, which would be a crazy, crazy twist. Because, and it would make sense because they both have this clearly bleach blonde hair uh, that's just, <laughs> was just awkward, especially her with these black eyebrows of hers. But that I would welcome that, but yeah, I, I hadn't seen anything like that. But that particular scene, I was like, I thought it for a split second, um, which would make this even wilder. There'd be even so much more to unpack, especially with uh, what happens next uh, with William um, <laughs> once we get there. Um, so the next scene is the break-in. And I'm going to let you get into it, but before we, I think this was the scene that is just like, every episode has kind of had this, this kind of theme to it, where the first two episodes were this, this uh, sci-fi drama, and last week's episode was a straight up horror movie. Oh, yeah. And then this particular episode felt like Indiana Jones yeah. or National Treasure. Um, so some national treasure vibes from it. Yeah. So how did you feel about the the break in with you know the the way they find the the key to opening the door to them kind of infiltrating? It was very interesting and fun because we see them like walking through like flashlights going, and again it's one of those like Montrose knows more than he's let it on because all of a sudden he's like turn your lights off. And then we see the light hit perfectly. Like, as you said, like national treasure, the light hits perfectly, lines up, bounces off, bounces off. And then we're suddenly like, oh, okay, it must be right here on the touch. And then all of these <laughs> just open on up. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so like you said, we, we get the entrance to the vault. Um, and it, it's just the... I don't know if it's intentional. Some of it I can tell was intentional, but like some of it's just 
ironically hilarious um, because, you know, we get Tick going down there and we get Letty sometimes being a little too about it. They say we need the map. She don't even try to Catwoman herself in there. She just <laughs> smashes the glass. Letty is definitely <laughs> ride or die types. Yes. She's no questions. What you need, where we going, who we about to be. Exactly. And uh, so she grabs the map, hops down, and uh, we get we get Montrose and his way down, um, which re- which so reminded me of uh, what is it? Um, uh, next Friday with uh, with uh, Don DC Curry and just he's just on the whole way down, being that old black man. Oh, oh, help me! Oh, oh, and he got to be a jerk getting up. I got it, I got it. Um, <laughs> yes. Just. Michael Kenneth William just playing it up and uh, we get the the callback to to Tick saying this is like something out of Journey to the Center of the Earth which I love when they do these things um, so this pretty much sets up their 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 Goonies run their 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 you know like I said uh, Land of the Lost the the adventure phase where we're yeah. and I like how they're slightly like finally listening and working together because at first we're like okay cool he built this like the museum was built in such and such a year okay yeah but if we're going off of the map he actually didn't build this the vault until after he did this journey so technically instead of us going this direction it'd be this direction yeah which I think is a great thing about this my our our version of Mystery Inc. is that none of them are dumb. Like yeah. everybody is equally smart. They butt heads, but they all butt heads because they it's it, they all have a legitimate discovery or they have a legitimate thing to add to the conversation. So it's like when somebody disagrees with the other person, it it doesn't feel like they're trying to downplay the other person's intelligence. Um, no, and he, he has a strong suit almost. Right. Right. Like, and he, like Montrose even says like, Oh, like he, he admits like you, you're probably right about this. Let's, let's keep it moving. Whereas in most other TV shows or movies, like Letty would have most likely been played to the side, start to finish because she's a woman. Um, and Montrose is the character of Montrose. Uh, but they're they're all equally smart. They all have their things that they bring to the to the table, and even though they all kind of they're all stubborn, I think that's where most of their their conflicts come from is that they're all stubborn. Yeah, everyone is as I said, like everyone has a strong suit and know that they are right about what they're talking about, and it's one of those like with you, our powers combined, right? We can do so much, right? Which it made it it makes the loss of Uncle George even sadder, because um, mm-hmm. I can imagine the four of them together, um, because Uncle George was just the, the 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 vessel of knowledge and tidbits and you know the little nuggets, where clearly Montrose is also that, but he doesn't want to he he's constantly withholding he doesn't want to give up the info he knows. Yeah. So, so it would have been it'd have been cool to see at least one full adventure with the four of them. Um, 
so while this is going on, we got we got poor Ruby going through it. Uh, back at some some bar. Oh, at Sammy's bar, um, performing and not getting just having the worst day. Um, <laughs> pretty much has a has a bad set. Tells the audience how she really feels about them. And uh, gets her introduction to William. How did you feel about this uh, this setup? It was very much right on time with, like how you said, like she felt after she performed. So it's just been one of those very long days. Nothing is going her way. And here comes the bartender, you know, giving her the drink. And she's like, I, I, I can't. I ain't nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> And he's like, you can, you know, thank Blue Eyes down there. And she, the look on her face is just like, here we go again. Right. With my boy. I think. Not having it. Right. On top of that, I got some strange white boy hitting, out, hitting on me. So bring it back full circle. It's the shot of him across the bar. And then when he walks up and introduces himself, I was like, because the, the moment we're introduced to William, I was like, this dude reminds me of something, of someone, excuse me, this dude reminds me of someone. And you know who he reminds me of? Zeph. Eric Northman from True Blood. Oh, yes. Okay. Like, the the, totally... the blonde hair, the creepy suaveness, mm-hmm. the the directness, the, the, the almost too aggressive eye contact. I was like, this dude is Eric Northman. And, like, he almost looks like the actor. Um, I think yeah. it's Alexander Skarsgård. I could be wrong about that, but yeah. like, <laughs> it was like this dude is Eric Northman. I don't know if this was intentional, but I'm gonna it's intentional because they're both on the same home network, so mm. it's kind of like an homage to you know something before us that mm-hmm. was also a big. big enough show that had like its very creepy elements as well. Right. So we get. Willie Northman, uh, Smooth Willie, as they call him, uh, sliding up and uh, putting, uh, starting to lay the, lay the bid down that um, he's here to change her life, which I guess is kind of further feeding into the possible theory that um, they might have set her up to fail at that, uh, at that store because that, that almost seems way too good to be true. Uh, I'm here to change your life literally on possibly one of the worst days of your life. Right. Right when everything is not going well for you, you come in and here you are saying that you're going to change my life. Like, how do you know what is even going on in my life that you're going to change it? Yeah. Way too convenient and perfectly timed. Um, So meanwhile, we get the the board scene. Um, this is, this is straight up, this is straight up, uh, action adventure, um, drama where we got that, that thing that's just going to put the, the tension of everything we've gone through at its max. Cause just like, as soon as you see a board, it's just like, well, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> like we've seen enough movies to know nothing with a, a, a single plank from pirates to other adventure movies. It, this is not going to end well at all. Someone's going to fall. Something is going to happen. <laughs> right. So we get um uh, an endearing but also like 
immediately ruined, not ruined, but like immediately undercut with a lie of uh, <laughs> them tying this quote unquote special knot <laughs> around Letty so that she she gets across. And the, the funny thing about that knot, well, the, not necessarily the knot, the funny thing about that is once Montrose starts ramping up this this tall tale about um about his his ancestor being a slave and just the story behind the knot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, t- yeah, but that that was the funny thing about it. At no point does he stop him to say like, "Hey, why are you lying to her?" Like he just like, "All right, well, I'm gonna let you go ahead. Maybe it'll work." <laughs> just like he said. Really waited, let it you know tight <laughs> on her. She's you now out of earshot, and he was like. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's what she needed. So I guess it worked, but like, come on. <laughs> it's, that's lying. It's lying. Luckily, she's a G. Um, and although she's, although she's, th- I think that's one of the dope thing about the dope things about Letty that we've seen in pretty much every single episode. Although she's, how do I, how do you put it? Like, even when she's afraid, she's still fearless because she's yeah. been put in these situations that are terrifying and she's expressed being terrified, but she still doesn't run with the exception of those times where they were supposed to, where they you literally need to run like from those monsters. She still doesn't back down from whatever the obstacle in the way is. It kind of like plays into the strong black woman stereotype mm-hmm. that like okay, all shit is going to hell, but we still got to keep moving. We still got to do such and such. Like I'm about it. Let's go. Minimum yeah. questions asked. Like you got me. I got you. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, and I think despite the fact that they keep all putting each other in these horrible situations. None of them have ever wavered in having each other's back, which I think is has been really great to see. Is that no one's no, and I hope it doesn't. I hope they don't prove us wrong on this. No one has flipped on the other person yet. Um, no one's been left behind intentionally. No one's been allowed to die intentionally. Um, we we got into this together, and everybody does their thing to make sure we all get out of it together. But if I had to pick a character. <laughs> that is going to prove us wrong it would be Montrose oh yeah without a doubt yeah <laughs> yeah I'm almost, well to a degree and we'll get to it he literally does that at the very end of the episode exactly <laughs> which we will get to so without going on too long um we we get the midair trap uh the midair booby trap of uh, a swinging guillotine um <clears throat> but before we can cross that the board starts disappearing which this is clearly magic because if one point of the board is gone logic dictates that it's supposed to tilt and it's it's a rat for all of you um but you know we're dealing with magic so it still it still holds their body weight um we get a, a that plank has regenerated over time because they're not the first people to do it Hmm. I hadn't considered that, but like, yeah, that that has to be magic at play. Yeah, I didn't even consider that it would come back. 
I just figured maybe it was like a fail safe. But I was going to say I, I figured it was a fail safe if someone who, who wasn't of the blood came along. But Tick is of the blood um, and he's on it with Letty. So I guess if if that's the case, then that would that would keep them safe. Um, obviously facing a, a, a counting a ticking clock. But. Yeah, um, we get the funny, unintentionally funny, but funny scene of uh, of uh, Montrose tossing the bag and Tick dropping the bag and be like, hey, you better catch me. Like, you drop the bag, you better catch me. And that is where I see Jordan Peele stepping in, like, no, no, no. But yeah, he'll get hit. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be a nice setup. Right. And we get Letty on the other side. What in the world is going on over there? Because she can't see anything. But still, being that the no-nonsense person, like, somebody tell me what the fuck is going on over there, please. Um, We, they make it to the other end, and with some quick thinking, but also a good callback to the opening of the episode, uh, they solve the puzzle. Uh, that gets them into the door. Uh, any thoughts on the the entrance scene? The moment we I saw that, I knew that everything was about to come out that Montrose has been trying so hard to hide. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that's so specific. Like, how do you know this, like, little phrase and, like, which one we should hit first? So right. the moment we get through that, kind of like how you said, like, take speaks a lot with his face you could see him just like just brooding while he's up front and going through yeah yeah um we get a we get the funny we get the funny line of jesse always saying got nothing on me uh <laughs> after that jump uh but yeah just like you called it um tick is tick picks up on stuff like he's a quiet dude but he's he's observant like he's very observant and he picks up on it these details left and right um and not hating at all, but this was another one of those reasons for uh, Majors to take his shirt off and uh, show some skin because uh, he loses the shirt. Um, and, re- you know, we find out he's cut, but granted, it doesn't come back into play. It only kind of serves as a as this weird reason of him snapping at Letty for showing concern. But I'm guess I'm wondering if that's him still being frustrated at like, OK, Montrose, how did you know that? Like him getting that that it's not adding up sort of thing but again a part of it is also like i'm trying my hardest to make sure that no one gets hurt in this crazy situation but like y'all just keep coming yeah 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 it's it's it seems like it's always something uh so while they're trekking through this now rising water um two things happen one we get we get more of this weird tension between letty and tick um which is super ill-timed and um we go back to to ruby um venting which i think more than anything that's what she needed after a day like she had because we don't know the only thing we know about ruby just due to you know storytelling is, you know, Letty's her sister, but obviously they're not close, so she's not going to vent to Letty. Um, we don't know if she has any close friends, so it makes somewhat, it somewhat makes sense that after a few drinks, well, excuse me, a few more drinks, she, she confides in, uh, in William. And, uh, we get what you were speaking of earlier with, um, just the rat race. 
yeah, of her, like, just expressing her frustration of, like, how things are. Then, of course, we get, you know, William from his opposite perspective of, like, but, I mean, you never know. And she's like, but I, I do know because I live this life every day. This ain't the first time. It's not going to be the last time. I yeah. do know the answer to this particular situation. Yeah. This was, like, a perfect, like, a perfect sort of example of white people. We, while your optimism is appreciated, when we tell you that something in our lives and the in the way society treats us is the way it is, we don't want that 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 blind optimism because we're not we're not we we can't afford that blind optimism. We've we've experienced and witnessed far too much to have that sort of optimism we have reality and reality i think think the current term for it is toxic positivity oh wow yeah looking on the right side when everything is shit let me let me sit and stew for a few minutes before i dust myself off and try again yeah that's i didn't know there was a phrase for it but yeah that fits that fits uh yeah being overly positive in the face of blatant reality is not good for you you know my reality is always going to be different from your reality um not only on an individual basis but if there's a racial difference if there's a um gender difference it it's always there will always be different views and perspectives um so you know like we said she needed the vent. She needed to get this this stuff out of her system. Um, and uh, that leads to uh, her telling Will, uh, look, man, you can look at me like that all you want. It ain't going down. To which William <laughs> digs into his Eric Northman bag and says, now, Ruby, this is HBO. We know what's going to happen when this scene jumps to the next scene. And, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like, he really did look at her like, oh, that's cute. You think this isn't going to happen? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but it, it, I think that was that was for us. That was for the viewers. Because the moment she said it, and I think it would have been, it would have been a dope move if they had not done it. Like, it had been a cool, like, cultural thing. Like, yeah, no, nah, that white boy didn't hit it. <laughs> like, what do you think this is? No, it, it, it went down. <laughs> it, went, it, it went down. I don't know whose house they were back at, but that scene. So quickly. Yeah, yeah. It was on some, it was like a Trey Songs video. They just, it, the scene cut, and the next thing you know, here we are. Um now, something interesting that happened in the midst of this that I'm wondering if it's going to come back into play. She cuts her hand. And yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think it does come back into play because if we look at the I saw the previews of the next episode. So I think it does come back into play. Then I saw. Kind of thinking back about the whole episode there was the, or like the previous episodes, there was also like the blood between Tick and Letty mm-hmm. and the blood that kept them from, and kept Christina from entering the house. 
So it definitely is going to play some sort of strange role into all the magic that is happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they definitely made it a point to, to one, show him consuming it, and then them consuming it together, which I'm, I'm just going to say Ruby was super drunk because ain't no black person in a sober mind going to, one, let you lick their blood and then share a kiss over it. Like, ugh, give me my hand back. This is over. Get off me. Nah, this is, mm -mm. We're, we're done here. You, 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 you almost had it and you ruined it. I'm going home. <laughs> Thank that you for the drink. Drunken boundaries being crossed. Right. I was like, this. that's not real. No, ain't no black woman gonna, <laughs> gonna willingly partake in this. Like she, She's on this magic or something like that because nah, no way. So meanwhile, back in our adventure, it's time for the truth. And we get uh, Tick pretty much telling them, hey man, how do you know all that stuff? How do you know that, how did you know how to do that, that, uh, that puzzle? And there was another thing that he, he let slip earlier when he said that like, you've already taken out one um, observatory, like one lodge, there's 34 more. Yeah. And I think uh, that's how he gave himself away by knowing one too many little details. Right. So clearly you got them from somewhere. So like, what are you not telling me? Right. So Montrose discloses that, hey, all right, I, your Uncle George gave me the bylaws and he told me to protect this family. And I did it the best way I knew how. And I burned those bylaws. So I read it and I burned it. Um, and that's one of those things where it's just like his intentions are in the right place. Um, but the way he went about it, obviously wasn't the greatest, but also I can't fault him too much because it's like, what in the world did he read that spooked him to the point of like, we need to just cut, take care of it. Right. We need to just cut all ties to this. Like this is, this is too much. So, um, we get, we get uh, Letty being fed up with the, another father-son argument, kind of storming off, and we see a floating dead body that turns out to be one of the um, the dead white boys who tried to run up in the house in the previous episode. And this is where things get strange for me. Because, go ahead, go ahead. It was a moment that, like, did we already pass the elevator? This is when they, they approach the elevator. So, like, the moment that we saw that and we saw the elevator, it definitely kind of should have clicked what was happening. Because how did the white boy from Chicago end up in Boston? Right. So, like, so, so many layers to this. Yeah. Because at the end of the last episode, when we see that those bodies are down in a sub-basement, some catacombs, we see a tunnel going off into the distance. Mm. Um with the water rising and this body being here and then Letty's elevator, it took the, the second watching of this for me to realize, Oh, this, this adventure has taken them back to Chicago and they're now under Letty's house because the guy that owned the house um, was a member of the, the order of the ancient dawn and he was searching for this stuff too. But this is where I was like, okay, now I, we officially have to suspend um, 
disbelief because they're they're now operating under fantasy and video game perceptions of time and space because I this is where my geography kicked in. I was like, how far is it from Chicago to Boston? And it said 853 miles. I'm like, yeah, they didn't do this on foot in one night. <laughs> There's no way that like they swam that far. Right. And I'm like, okay, all right. We're now in in uh later Game of Thrones <laughs> logic. And it's like, don't worry about space, time and space. Just worry about the plot in front of you. Teleportation. Um, say again? Teleportation. Right. Yeah. 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 We've already dealt with enough, you know, magic and uh, sorcery, uh, but that's that's what's happening here. Um, so we get another one of those instances where um, Tick, his heart's in the right place. He's like, all right, y'all getting on the elevator. It's getting dangerous. And we get Letty saying, like, look, you're not this isn't just happening to you. Like, we're all involved in this. You're not the center of the universe. Which he's entirely right. And we get another one of those Jonathan <laughs> Majors facial reactions because he's looked like, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just the way his face is built. But he's <laughs> got this look on his face like, what was that all about? But if yeah, if you get a chance, go back and watch that particular scene. It had me dying because she was totally within her right to say everything she said. His reaction was just hilarious to me. Um, we on... As this proceeds, we get um we get some lady advice from uh from from Montrose on um how he should um handle things with his girl because apparently go ahead <laughs> touch in father son moment and that's what I was also talking about when I was talking about the music and how it swells because like the music that is suddenly playing underneath of Montrose speaking like you know my dad always told me that this is how you take care of it. Sing a little song to yourself. By the time you're done, she's calmed down. Yeah, and just great acting from Michael K. Williams, because you know he the delivery of, you know, once she's done fussing, you can get back to loving, because all that fussing was was just loving. Um, which I, I the romantic side of it is just like that's that's really nice and that's really beautiful. Um. In today's more practical, we need to communicate sense. I would never tell a woman that um, while you were talking to me, I was singing a song in my head and not listening to you because I mess around and end up single. Like that's that's a death wish. Don't like if you do it, don't don't say you're going to do it because <laughs> great advice, but also bad advice. Yes. In theory, it was when she walked away. So by the time you're done singing your little song, you've given her a few minutes to collect herself. Then you can try to have a conversation again. Maybe she'll be down to hear you. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so that was that was a really a really nice scene, um, which leads up to a scene that had like a lot of nuance in it that I thought was it was left kind of open ended and they could have went a billion different ways, but the fact that they went with silence was a bold choice. And it's the scene where they they reach the lock. <clears throat> they pull this dismembered arm out and um, they they all do the, the proper thing of reacting to it. Um, and he pieces together like, okay, I think it's uh, someone with blood of Braithwaite needs to put their hand in here. 
And I think that's what this guy didn't have. So he puts the ring on and he gets ready to put his hand in there. And there's two things he does. He he tussles at his ear real quick, which made me wonder if it was intentional or if it's something that he like if it's something he's been doing before tough moments in the show or if it was unintentional. It was just like it was just something that happened. And he pauses and he's you know, he kind of gives it a moment and he stares at his dad for like a good five seconds, like a lingering five seconds, like. I don't know if it's like, okay, I'm about to do this, or he's all, he also almost kind of has this look on his face like, if you have any other ideas, please, please stop me before I put my hands in this. What did you think about uh, that the lead up and, and eventually him sticking his arm in there? Um, it was definitely that, you know, at this point we've known Montrose has read the bylaws, so like, you should know how to figure this out too, since you knew all these other steps so far. <laughs> Oh man. Okay, there's a whole arm in here. So like, okay, we know what he didn't have. So like I think I should be able to get through it. And then even when he did put his hand in and like it kind of hurt when it was like cutting him. And then he was like, no, 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 wait, 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 look. And then we see like the blood fill in little spots, like, okay, fine, we did it. Like it's gonna hurt for a second. But we did figure it out. So we did do it correctly. But he was definitely looking at his dad like, you got me, right? Right. <laughs> it was definitely, if you know something, please, if you remember something from that book you bur- that you burned, please speak up. So, yeah, as you said, it works. A ladder drops down. And uh, they've made it into the vault. Um, we see um, more, more pieces of... Uh, of mem- well, I was gonna say memorabilia. We see more artifacts and actually human skeleton remains from from people that I'm pretty sure were were stolen from from their their homes. And uh, as they, this is where we go full Indiana Jones. Um, my bad. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, walking into that room and seeing all of the, as you said, like the remains of people definitely kind of gave me like Indiana Jones or Goonies. Like here we go again of the people. I first thought it was people who like maybe had tried and Mm -hmm. failed. And then two seconds later we learn it wasn't the tried and fail. It was the just members of a family that Titus had massacred. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, definitely got those same vibes. Another vibe I got from this particular scene, I got a Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. Just the way it was lit and it looked like they were on a ship. Um, And it could have been a ship, but like it was just something about the way it was lit that like I felt like that first Pirates of the Caribbean when the uh, the people, when the the ghost pirates turn into skeletons in the moonlight. I got a, a kind of vibe like that. And we get introduced to uh, Yahima Maricotti, who I believe is essentially uh, the spirit, uh, a spirit of man and woman uh, represented by uh, the female figure and um, the male genitalia uh, before she's covered up. And I did see somewhere that if I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I try not to read too much into it because I don't I try not to be 
you know, get spoiled on this. I believe she's gender flipped. I think in the original uh, stuff that the original content, I believe she is um, she's perceived as male and possibly has female genitalia. Um, yeah. How did you feel about that introduction and that that back and forth? I found it kind of reminiscent too. I feel like it's Lovecraft has played on so many other things for me that I've seen over the years because I definitely got the Harry Potter sense okay. when we see her and um, what's his name? Montrose is automatically like, what are you? Who are you? Corrected mm -hmm. by Tick. And then she starts talking and the only one that can understand is Tick. And he's talking to them like, y'all don't hear her, what she's saying? Like, yeah. And it was reminiscent of Harry Potter when Harry was talking to the snake because he knew Parslip and no one else did. Parseltongue. And no one else did. So, like, he's thinking that, like, he's talking to the snake like it's a normal person and everyone else can do it. But, like, bro, that's all you. And that's really how Letty and Montrose were looking at Tick, like, can you translate for us? Because we have no idea what's happening here. Hmm. Um, they just made me more excited to to get started on the Harry Potter movie series, uh, which we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a dope scene. We we get her pretty much telling her story, uh, which is a story I'm pretty sure uh, the ancestors and spirits of many a culture would tell about uh, white explorers, quote unquote, uh, who pretty much came to their land and uh, in search of claiming to be in search of knowledge, but leaving with so much more. Um, they, she pretty much was asked to help them decipher the, the, the pages of the Book of Adam and was repaid with pretty much her, her people being slaughtered and being torn apart from from her from her her home um <clears throat> which you know that that so many levels in that with our uh quote-unquote historical explorers um we're looking at you christopher columbus um but we get a really dope um line that was almost my favorite line of the week and it was her, it, it was pretty much tick asking for her help in deciphering it so that they could protect yeah. uh, themselves as as well as hopefully uh, restore her uh, to her rightful place. To which she responds, um, <clears throat> you are not guilty of your forefather's sins, but I do not know your spirit. Which, go ahead. That was definitely one of my favorite lines as well. And it also was very, for me, because the show kind of like plays consistently on the you know, things that are happening now, it was very reminiscent to me of when, you know, white people today was like, well, I wasn't a slave owner. Like, that was my ancestors. Okay, yeah, but like, while it wasn't you, the things that you're doing, you're not exactly like dismantling things either. So like, I don't know if I can trust you. Yeah. That's really what it felt like she said yeah. to him. Yeah, that that's exactly the way I took it. Like, while you're not guilty of his sins, you have sins of your own. And um, until I figure out if they're, you know, worthy or not, I got nothing for you. Mm. You know, I, I've already been screwed once before and I don't I don't know you. And that's mainly what it, came, it comes down to. I don't know you. 
you know, you don't look like the guys that, that, you know, tore me from my home and slaughtered my people, but I still don't know what you're capable of. Um, so I think that was, that was a really, a really dope line and a, and a dope delivery into, you know, you on your own player. <laughs> and, uh, so Montrose was like, all right, well, we don't need her. We'll, we'll figure it out our way. And that's when we get our, our, our big escape because you got to have a big escape in these adventure movies, whether it's, um, escaping a pyramid that's collapsing or the big boulder that's chasing you down the hallway. Uh, ours comes in the form of escaping a flooded, uh, building. How did you feel about that? And the, uh, the race to the elevator. The race to the elevator was very, very long because we are going through, we drop the scroll, then we Uh see going back down and trying to get it. And it was almost as if Montrose tried to stop her and Tick stopped him. And then she's going, she finally gets it, swims all the way back up. And poor Tick, while all this is happening, is holding the elevator door so slightly because like, suddenly it's closing in on them right um yeah everything you said it so much tension in a in a in a short but very long feeling scene um and all those things that you pointed out it was just like kudos to them because i'm pretty sure that was crazy hard to pull off underwater um i better call my stunt double because i'd I'd had a panic attack and I'd have drowned, and they'd have had to cancel the series because I, nope, get my stunt double in here. Because um, it really looked like, it looked like all of them. And like, I think, unless they had a really good stunt person with really good CGI, I think she did all that on her own, which if so, kudos to her. And she better get somebody's awards this upcoming season off that alone. She's already been acting her butt off in every scene she's been in. She she swam underwater in in a in a romper and keds and made it. So <laughs> I mean, all the awards to her. So we get we get the big which again it it makes me it, it just makes me wonder with some of the, the choices they do. We get this impromptu kiss in the elevator that I I didn't know how to feel about it. It was so it felt to me it kind of felt out of place. Like I'm not against these two being a thing, but it felt, it felt almost forced. How did you feel about that? I feel like after seeing her risk her life to go grab this scroll that we hope has the information that we need. And like, they've already like, we've argued, we've fought this entire time that like for him, there was no other way that he could even say thank you other than like doing that. It was his way of saying it without saying it. Okay. I I could kind of see that. Uh, it just, I don't know. It, it felt really strange to me, um, yeah. which I guess in, in movie and TV trope, I guess that would be the best, one of the best options, especially like right after near death. Um, exactly. But we I, I, I want you to know how much I mean, to, how much you mean to me. Yeah. Yeah, um, which it just proves how, how awkward I am because I, I I think as much as I'd want to express that I'd probably just I don't know I'd just hug it out like I'd squeeze you to death 
Um, but like, I don't know, a makeout session just seemed awkward. But it is immediately cut short because uh, apparently um, these these white men have their their safety measures in place. Uh, apparently there was something placed upon uh, Yahima to where if she were to escape, she would immediately be turned into a siren and unable to to verbalize recognizable sounds. Uh, she starts wailing in this elevator and gets knocked out by Tick because I guess that's the only thing he could think of <laughs> instead of trying to convince her to to maybe just close her mouth and to stop talking. That scene to me was the Jordan feel, right? That, <laughs> True that. that. You know, True that. <laughs> we just had this really nice moment. Then all of a sudden, you know, she opens her mouth and we hear this wail. And as you said, like, that's the only thing you can come up with. Like, I'm going to just knock you out. Like, that is, that is Jordan Peele. That is the dark humor in the room. I didn't even consider that. But yes, that is that, that fits perfectly with him and his his brand. Um, is, that is right on time. Uh, so like we said, uh, this ele- is the elevator in Letty's house. And we conclude this scene with um, Dee and Hippolyta uh, making their way back. And we can only piece together that once they got into the house, I guess they called wherever they were staying and told them, hey, we're back in Chicago, um, which I'm so glad that Dee said, how in the world did they get back to Chicago without the car? One. I was also thinking like, it must have been strange when they called and said they were in Chicago and yeah. all of the stuff was still there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how did y'all get back? Why did y'all suddenly do this? Like, none of this is adding up. At all. So it's setting up and it, it set up what would eventually happen immediately. Um, Hippolyta, she wants answers on her, you know, one way or another. She wants answers because they're doing weird stuff that is not adding up at all. Um, who knows what happened to Tree? I, I could care less. I, I, I hope. Was like we just gonna abandon him, but like he's probably gonna pop back up again. Exactly. Like I was totally fine with him being abandoned. Um, I hope Hippolyta didn't drop him off in uh, Philly on her way back. I hope she left him uh, wherever they were staying. But she grabs the atlas from D and sees the last. Uh, point that they were at and I couldn't tell if she saw the last point they were at or if she saw one of the areas that they skipped by and decided okay it's time to figure out what's going on for myself and they set off on their own journey How did to you feel? me it was one of those areas that they um, like overlooked almost because mm-hmm. she took the atlas she read it and she saw that circled area that said Devon County And I feel like that was where one of my favorite lines of the episode comes in because like she suddenly just changes direction. And Dee was like, mama, where are we going? And it was a simple to get answers. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like we've gotten the beginning of the adventures of uh, Hippolyta and Dee, which I'm all for. Um, I'm really curious. I'm really anxious to see how that plays out. Um, I hope they don't find themselves in anything too crazy, especially considering what uh, Mystery Inc. has already gone through. 
but uh, we end this episode with a very nice father and son moment. Um, they've gotten they've gotten Yahima to calm down, and they've come up with the plan of we'll teach her English so she can at least write down words so we can help you know she, she can hopefully help us decipher this and like i said we get a really nice moment of montrose telling tick how proud of him he is it's very genuine and he's expressing his his pride in him for growing up to be a great man despite him being him and um that scene it, it leads to like okay we will get to We'll get to, you know, trying to uncover this this mystery in the morning. And that's an abruptly cut with a never mind. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? It's like, how is Montrose going to explain what happened? Like, are we just going to get rid of the body instantly and be like, oh, she ran off? Because we, as you said, had this really nice moment. Tick is again blindsided thinking that he's making some progress with his dad and then you know turns around and dad just upends everything by doing this so now he's gotten rid of the book he's now gotten rid of the one person who could help them because she knows some of the things that are in there and I'm like are you just gonna get rid of the body and say that she ran away because this is not gonna add up well in the morning at all at all like he he has to get rid of the body instantly um but like it was so well done because the way he approaches her my first thought is he's gonna i i'm thinking as he approaches her he's gonna randomly start speaking her language Mm. yeah he's like okay like we're gonna get translations like you can never tell him what what we know no it 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 goes the extreme left where he just, he just yeah just just kills her just straight up kills her um which was like and the perfect timing of it cuz it happens so fast and immediately goes to credits it's just like you don't have time to process it's just like what so you tell me after all of that y'all yeah. almost died and it it was literally with the exception of the pages it's practically for nothing is practically for nothing and yeah. uh yeah that is how we conclude this episode um now i apologized because i, I blindsided you with um asking if you had a favorite line from this particular episode is there one that that particularly sticks out to you I feel like we've already mentioned most of them. So I think I'll go with the theme that has been running the entire episode, which was when they were down in that cave, whatever it was. And um, Tick was saying that it's getting dangerous and they, they should get up in the elevator. And Letty said to him, can you stop acting like this is only happening to you? You're not the center of the fucking universe. And with that, you might have to be on another episode or two. You might have just locked yourself into being a a, a returning co-host on here. Because that goes right in with my favorite line, which is 
that her line is a callback to earlier in the episode when she's talking to Christina and Christina tells her my favorite line, don't let the men fool you into thinking it's always about them. Um, and it, it reinforced something that I kind of picked up on about this series so far. And it's that although tick is the focal point, the Mm -hmm. women in this series are clearly the powerhouses. Every last one of them that we've been introduced to is visually depicted as being more powerful than tick like tick is tick is our he's our he's the driver of the story but the heavy hitters are the women um from letty uh being being letty just in general to ruby having her own goals and aspirations and her own convictions um to now hippolyta um who we get hints of that in the very her introduction of you know wanting to go on uh, the 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 travels for the guide and everything, and mm-hmm. you know establishing that like yeah I'm capable of doing this too you know like I can I've done it before, um, the and and Christina, who is the person who's trying to rise to power amongst um, the white men, like the women are are the juggernauts of this series, and yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, I can't. I can't promise you. I won't drag you on another uh, almost two-hour-long recap episode of this show because you're you're reading my mind. Go ahead. I said it's fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So um, again, I want to thank you so much for being a, a guest on here. And um, like I said, we might we we might have to bring you back for. A few more, if not the, if not the entire rest. And um, before we go, is there anything you want to plug? Um, feel free to say no if you if you want the people to follow you. You're more than welcome to. Anything you want to shout out? Um, my Instagram is getting underscore my underscore life underscore the number two together. And um, yeah, I don't think I have any plugs other than that today. All right. Y'all be sure to go follow her. Um, I don't. Well, the only thing I have to plug is that uh, by the time you're hearing this, um, the return of the Power Post game report will probably be up on a conversation with Carlos D's uh, page. Or if you look up uh, the PLP podcast, uh, me and him will be back at it. Um, You, of course, can always find me at Off the Clock Podcast. Uh, That's O-F-F-T-H-A Clock Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. You can search this podcast pretty much wherever you find podcasts. And you can always email me at offtheclockpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's O-F-F-T-H-A, Clock Podcast. So, as always, I'm Triple D. Again, big thank you to my, my guest, it's Danielle. And we will see you guys next time. Have a good one. Peace.